What's good, beautiful people? It's your King Skazoo and Cole. And welcome to Tea Time Podcast. So, we have a guest today. Would the guest like to introduce themselves with like their name, their pronouns, their big three, or just their main star sign, if they know it? Okay, so my name is Blake Meyer. Um, I, my pronouns are he, him. What was the other thing? Your Horrific. big three, yeah. If you know your big three, um, or your main one. I'm a Leo. I don't know what my other two are. I was born on the 29th of July, so I'll let you tell me that. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Leos aren't too bad. Leos are chill. Leos are yeah. chill. Chill? They're a fire <laughs> sign, are they? Are you sure? <laughs> I've, I'm I've never had a problem with a Leo, so... Uh, I, have a f- <laughs> I have a few Leo exes, so, yeah. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Go ahead. <clears throat> So, so um, oh. do you want to go? <laughs> All right, cool. I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll, I'll take this one. Um, so, obviously, people don't really know much about you and stuff like that because you've just come on. Some people that listen to this may know you and others won't. Um, of course, I know you and I wanted to get you onto the episode um, because I don't know any other trans men or women personally that decided to go into the line of work that you have so do you want to tell us a bit more into that like what made you want to get into like police work okay so I joined the police in 2014 I think it was um I hadn't even come out then and realized like that I had the language at that point to express my gender identity so I mean my life kind of began it was a little bit of a turmoil a little bit I think we've all gone through our journeys haven't we to to find ourselves so for me when I joined the police I hadn't even come out as as well let's say gay at the time I didn't even know what the word queer meant so you know my mom I grew up watching my mom as a police officer in the um, royal military police and this is back at home and back in Brazil I was born in Brazil so um, watched her all my life and that's why I wanted to always join the force. Uh, I wanted to join the army, actually. That, that's, that's something I should have done, really. But I couldn't because I'm asthmatic and I can't run. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, um, yeah, always wanted to go into the forces. I've always been obsessed with it. You know, watching your parents, I think they're a big role model for you. And that's what my mom was and still is for me today. Um, so I couldn't join the army. And then I decided to join the police. And... At the time, it was difficult because I was in a relationship with a cisgender man and um, still trying to figure myself out. I decided to move. So I used to live on the southwest area. I moved all the way to East Anglia area to join the police because I wanted to just run away. And that's why I wanted to, like, be myself. That's where I could, you know, be away from everyone to try to figure out who I was. And um, yeah. Joining the police at that time was okay. Like, you know, there was difficulties, not only because at the time I hadn't come out as a, as a trans man yet, but I had, um, I was the only sort of black person in my, in my crew. Like I was the only, you know, black queer person in my crew. And that was difficult in itself to try and deal with. Um, but I don't think I saw anyone that, that was the same skin color as me um, join with me. So that was in itself a yeah. challenge. And um, yeah, and there was there was all the issues of 
okay, uh, people not understanding where I came from and all of that. So um, for me, mainly my background was, was kind of what helped me through. And then figuring out at the time that, you know, I wasn't, yes, I was attracted to women. I've always been attracted to girls. Like that's something I could not like, you know, deny. And it was when I was out there kind of, that I kind of thought, realized that, you know, do you know what, this, this isn't for me, like this isn't who I am. And being, doing what I do, I, I tell you now, like doing what I do has made me realize that there are all these challenges, especially now with what's going on in the news, what's going on, you know, in, in America and all that, that you kind of have to, I mean, I'm the only sort of trans, trans guy in my, well, not left life. I actually managed to get someone else to join my forces as a trans guy too. So that's, that's pretty good news for me. But I was the first trans guy that transitioned in my force. Mm. So, you know, I'm kind of like the trailblazer for that. And um, I still I still have my head like held up high. I've had nothing but support from my, you know, senior leaders and all this and, and my colleagues. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a little bit of a challenge, I'm not going to lie, especially with what's going on in the news and things. And... I know I need to be impartial, you know, with what's happening, but I do use my platform when I can, especially internally, because I think that's where we've got to start. Like the, the, yeah. the issue is internally, not everybody is aware of what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Especially with what's going on with race and everything. So, you know, I've had all sorts of comments throughout my career. It's, it's been pretty mad, to be honest. Um, like you take all the boxes and all that stuff, you know, I've always had all of that shit, but it's, it's been hard, but I think it, it's also made me open my eye and kind of go, do you know what, I do understand. And I think for me, the thing that kind of made me realise that, that where I'm at and what I'm doing is important. I, I went to, I tell this a story that I went to this school open evening as, as like just as, as a cop, just to kind of introduce young kids to the policing world and all this. Yeah. And I had my trans badge on and just saw, you know, the the pink blue and white colors of the little flag I had on my uniform and and she looked at me she's like oh my god I don't know they had trans officers and I, I said to her yeah they do like I'm one of them and she looks and she goes mom that's it I'm gonna join the police this is what I want to do you know she was so happy to see me and I never had that before I never had anyone sort of come up to me and and talk to me about wanting to you know or someone that was like her and she asked me what my pronouns were and I saw what her pronouns were. Told, she told me that she she hers, and I was it just mm. it warmed my heart. You know, one of those times you go, I touched someone today. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's that's what I still kind of feel like I can still carry on doing this because there are some really tough times, you know. Yeah, definitely, and especially when you can make an impact on someone else from doing what you're doing, mm. exactly. and you actually see their reaction to it. It's just so much better. Yeah. Yeah, this is why representation matters, though, because obviously this mm. youngin has seen you and been like, wow, like, I never knew that they mm. were, like, trans police officers and this, that, and the other, yeah. but, like, younger kids don't, well, nowadays they get to see what we didn't get to see when we were younger, that if you really think yeah. about it, there's representation in every sort of, like, aspect in terms of careers, um, mm. they just may not know about it, but now they have the opportunity where They've got us lot who are transitioning now on different paths mm. in life, different careers, and we can be the representation of what we wanted to see when we were younger. And yeah. it's kind of like, mm. that's the whole point of getting the ball rolling 
because we yeah. didn't see that growing up. The people before us didn't see it growing up. But it's just nice that mm. we're able to be that for the people coming after us. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It. And there's been a lot of change recently as well. So it's quite nice mm. to see, you know, the younger generation who are adapting to the change mm -hmm. much better than mm. anyone else. Um, obviously, you've got yeah. the older generation who are just, I don't even know how to explain what they're like. Um, they're just them. And then you've got the younger generation <laughs> who just don't bat an eyelid at anything. They're just like, this is normal. This is life. Like, I don't yeah. see the problem with it. So it's quite nice to see. Um, but obviously, going from what you said about you being the, you know, the trailblazer, how did your office take it when you came out? So, do you know what? At first, it was really difficult for me because we all know we have our battles when we have to come out socially, let alone in yeah. a work setting. Yeah. yeah, and also considering that the work that I do is what well, we already know, and I would say this like the the, the, the not the force of force I work for, but we all know that the police in general is inherently racist, and that's just yeah. how they have been since the eighties, and they had the first black police officer in London. You know, like that's what they got through woven into their you know society type thing. And I thought to myself, mm. man, I don't even know how I'm going to do this. And also speaking to, I have a lot of close friends that already knew about me, including some of them that said, yeah, we already knew that. <laughs> okay, so if you knew, how nobody tell me. Um, but, you know, I just, it was, it was one of those things that I had a welfare officer and the force that I work for, they have been brilliant at mm. supporting me in that sense. And they basically said to me, look, like, we're going to do it how you want to do it. You know, you don't have to tell anyone. It's actually none of our business to be honest if you just tell mm. us one day that this is who you are and this is how you want to be addressed and what your pronouns are we'll just go ahead and change it you know and, and it was it was really because I, I think I had some sort of internal transphobia where I kind of didn't want to say it because I thought wait a minute how are they going to look at me is it even worth yeah. me saying anything yeah. you know how are they going to start treating me is this what I want to go through like even reading like stories from people that have been subjected to some sort of, you know, kind of homophobia. And you get the comments here and there when you go on mm. training and things. Not that I've been personally affected by that, but I know friends in other forces that talk about how they've been personally affected by some sort of, yeah. form of homophobia and some comments here and there. Like, you, do you know what I mean? I'm not even going to repeat them because it's not even worth my time. But mm -hmm. I just thought, I don't want to be subjected to this. And it was when it started taking a, a really bad incline on my mental health. And it got to the point where I didn't want to go to work. You know, just hearing those pronouns that weren't me started to hurt a bit. You know, yeah. and I kind of felt like, you know what, I don't even want to go in. And my welfare officer, I was doing therapy and I cannot stress enough how important therapy is, as you both you both might know already. Yeah. But, you know, I just kind of, they said to me, look, we'll do it the way you do. And because I was part of a really close-knit team, we kind of sat down and I said to them, look, I was almost in tears. I said to them, this is, I said, I didn't say nothing. It was my welfare officer that did. And she said, look, we're going to do this. This is Blake now. Blake's going through a lot of things. This is what's happening. Blake's transitioning. Mind you, I started like my hormone journey whilst I was at work still. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I took a bit of time off. I took about like two weeks off or whatever, just to kind of get myself into it. But 
they said, look, take a couple of weeks off. So I took that. But my wife said, this is this is Blake now. This is how Blake wants to be addressed. This is how Blake is, is you know, this is Blake's name, for example. You know, so we went from there. And I could not have been more welcomed. Like, I cannot just, it was, it touched my heart. Like, everyone was just so welcoming to me. They all said, look, we really, and to be honest, I have a, I have a guy on my team who is, in his 50s and he's he's like you know grew work back in when policing days was super strict and everyone yeah. was just extremely homophobic and extremely of that sort of nature and that background and he turns up to me and he goes do you know what man i really appreciate you i think you're super brave and well done for you doing this and give me a hug mm. you know what i mean so it was just one of them and i know for a fact that not every force is like this and i know that because i'm part i'm part of a of a national trans group of officers all over the UK, you know, from up north all the way down to the south. And some of them have been subjected to some horrific things, like people not even understanding, not calling them by their pronouns, just yeah. being absolutely awful. But I cannot stress how welcoming my force and my team has been. And I think it all depends on the person that's that's there and their sort of mentality, because if they if they don't even care, if they don't want to welcome you, they won't. Mm. And I know that there are other forces out there that don't treat their people the same. Mm. And I just feel lucky, you know, to have to have been treated like that. And it's 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 been brilliant. Like I can't stress enough how good they've been to me. Yeah. That's really good, really good because you know, like these kind of these kind of jobs, like when you have them like government jobs or corporate jobs, like coming out within that kind of job can be very, very difficult. Like when I was working mm-hmm. at the bank and I worked there for nearly mm-hmm. four years, I worked there for about a year or maybe a year and a half before I came out. Um, I hadn't even started medically transitioning, but I started socially transitioning and I was just about to start medically transitioning. And how it worked at work was that like, you had like a name badge. So obviously I had a name badge with my dead name and stuff like that. I just like came out to everyone at work and they were just really cool. They were like, okay, cool. So like, what do we call you now? I told them like Kaz or Kazoo, if you want to say it the long way. and then immediately my line manager was like, okay, cool. So we need to order you a new name badge. Just go put the request through now. Um, and that was it. Like, then they were just on point mm. from day one. And it's like, you don't really hear about these things. It's usually, you know, people going through shit or people having to be stealth at work in these sort of like mm. corporate jobs and government jobs because they don't want what's going to come with it you know because you hear horror stories of the things that people are subjected to the things that people are called and like you said you you feel like you don't even want to go to work and all them things there unfortunately you hear of situations where somebody is stealth at work and somehow somehow they get outed and then it's kind of like that then destroys their whole everything like that's happened to somebody that I know I didn't really want to go into depth with it because I could see how much it was affecting him but like I didn't realize that he was stealth. This was like maybe a year or two ago. I didn't realize that he was stealth. And I did a whole like Black History Month thing where I was highlighting only people within um, the community, right? And I must have highlighted him for some of the work that he's done for me and some of the other guys. 
And he like messaged me on the side and was like, you know, there was this whole situation and da 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 da. Um, he doesn't mind me keeping a post up, but just if I'm gonna tag him in anything for future reference to do with like us lot, just to um kind of just give him a heads up because he had a situation mm. where he had been outed at work. Doesn't know how they even found out, but he was like the talk of the office, and it kind of completely fucked him up. Mm. Um, mm. So yeah, like you hear of stuff like that. I I don't really hear of good stories if I'm being honest. Mm. So it's good to know that you know you yeah, were yeah. and they took it so well because yeah, I was, was, I was expecting the bit of a horror story. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm not gonna so lie. Was that, actually? I, was, I thought you were I gonna thought, say oh some crazy shit happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, did, I was ready for I was the like, team. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready. <laughs> uh, no, I was, you know, I was fully expecting that. I thought, oh my god, this is gonna be ridiculous. But the thing is, like, the things that were happening before I came out, oh. like for example, I, I, I'm also part of the LGBT support network in my force, and we started trialing like these gender neutral hats. Like some forces have got like bowler hats for females, and the the flat caps for males, and they won't change that. And that's it. Like, do you know what I mean? And it's something that they brought in in the 1980s like it's something so weird that you can't why do you have to have different gender hats like this is one of the things yeah. that we thought, what we're we doing do you know and i was part of this this net this thing to say oh do you want to try our gender neutral hats and i thought why doesn't everybody wear this hat do you know so i i said okay i'll do it i'll be i'll be part of it this is before i come out and I walked into the office wearing this hat and it looks exactly like the male hat. There's nothing different about it. It just is a little bit higher at the top here. So I was like, okay, I'll just wear it, walked into the office with it. And I had some people go, why are you wearing that hat for? And I'm like, this is the new gender neutral hat. What do you think about it? Like taking the piss. Mm. And I think it was one of my, one of the older ranking sort of officers that was also again, kind of like in her rage and kind of, I don't see the point of it. Of course, I think there should be male and female hats because all of the, and I just whipped my head around and I was like, what, what's your issue with, with gender neutral hat? Like, we're all officers, mm. aren't we? It's you a know? hat. We'll do it's the a same hat. Job. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> we'll Why do does the, the hat same have job. a gender? That's so weird. <laughs> That's like, what, what I said. <laughs> we all do the same job. Like, what does that hat have to do for it? Do you know what? It's, it's an old thing where, I think it was back in the 80s, so before female, my mum, for example, if I start from the beginning, my mum was one of the very first female officers in the Royal Military Police in Brazil. Mm. And I, I commend her for that, for real. Like, it's been 30 years and she's very first. But back in the 80s here in the UK, they only had male officers, right? Because why else? Why would women want to be police officers? That's so stupid. But, mm. you know, so they then brought women into the police and they were like... I know what we're going to do. We're going to get them a different hat. And they can carry on a little purse. So it's this tiny, like, little clutch bag for women officers to carry around. Because obviously, you remember back in those days, the men used to carry, like, these, like, batons that were, like, these truncheons that were this big. Yeah. And they gave the women one. And the women one was, like, this small, just to fit in the bloody clutch bag. <laughs> and that's where the whole thing of the hats came in. Because obviously, they needed to differentiate the female officers are the male officers. The female officers have only attend, you know, arguments and, and children gone missing and we'll mm. let the men deal with everything else. And it's been like that ever since. Like, it's never changed. Some forces have progressed, you know, like in the South East area, they've progressed. They've got the same uniform for everyone. I mean, 
my force I'm ch- trying to campaign for them to do that because what is the need for different yeah. gender hats like we're all officers we all do the same job we all go to the same thing we all meet the same people we treat everybody the same we respect and treat everybody fairly that's one of our core values mm. but why is it that we have to treat our own differently um but yeah it, it's ridiculous isn't it you, you think why are we still back in the 84 it's like crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, is actually, that is actually very silly because it's a hat, it's a uniform. You're doing the same job. What difference does it make? Like, we don't have to put everything in a category and in a box. We don't have to define that. Yeah, this is for this gender and this is for that. Like, nine times out of ten, when I'm just going through life and doing things, I just think to myself, why does that have a gender? Like, mm, so weird. that don't make sense because somebody yeah. came to my attention, I think last year and throughout, from then until now, I keep seeing different aspects of this. And I didn't realize, really thinking about it, in a lot of African languages, we don't have genders. So like a, a word is just a word, like we won't have the female version to something or the male version to something. Um, it's it's just a word but like you know what it means kind of thing you you know that it can how it can be used and it doesn't need to be gendered and then when I look at like the mm. English language I'm like there's so many different like boxes yeah. when it comes to words and things that we say but then in other languages it's the same thing like in Portuguese because mm. obviously my girlfriend's Brazilian so I'm starting mm. to pick up on certain things and there's certain words in Portuguese and I'm like why is this a male or female? Like, this is confusing. <laughs> so I said something and Marcella was like, no, um, I needed to replace, I think it was like one letter to make it the male version. Yeah. And she said the word to me, it sounded like a completely different word. It wasn't that it was mm. a different word. It was for the, a different gender. I was like, they're gone. Mm. <laughs> 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 Why? <laughs> it's going to take you a while to learn Portuguese though. It's super hard. My my partner says the same. If I actually was following Duolingo, I would have been somewhere by now. But (laughs) I started Duolingo and I was like, yeah, because my girlfriend's mom told me you got one year to learn Portuguese. I was like, all right, cool. I've wasted about four months. (laughs) Let's hope she's not keeping count because on the low, I'm keeping count. If I actually followed it, I would have been somewhere by now. So now what I do when her grandma writes something to me on Insta, I'm just, you know, going to my little translator, typing the word in English and copying and pasting what it says in Portuguese. Mm. And then when she says something to me, I copy it into my thing, I translate it, and then I reply. (laughs) I mean, we got technology. Yes, I should learn, but in the meantime... As I am learning, I have yeah, right. that I realize is now built on the phone. So I'm gonna just use that. Why not? Mm. <laughs> but um, right. give it a few months. Yeah, a few. I'll, I'll be fine. It'll be okay. Everything will work out. So obviously, we just had a conversation about speaking Portuguese, <laughs> and you spoke about your mum who is Brazilian, so I'm going mm. to assume you are too Brazilian. Um, <laughs> um, what, obviously, you've, I'm assuming you've obviously been transitioning for a while. Have you had top surgery and everything? Yeah, so I've just come back from Brazil, actually. It's been about, when did we come back? October. 
the 17th. So we went, myself and my fiance, we went to Brazil September the 19th to get my top surgery, which I'm super glad about. It's been something that I've been wanting to do since I can remember. It's one of those things where I said to myself, you kind of ease yourself into it. I think that was my experience anyway. I thought, I'm definitely gay. No, wait, I'm going to be trans. I'm trans. That's it. Yeah. That's what it is. I don't need I don't need to try, I don't need surgery. I'm cool. I don't even need that. And wait, I definitely need top surgery. It's <laughs> one of those things that I kinda I kind of ease myself into because like I said to you, it was that internal thing that I had of mm-hmm. not realizing who I was, not wanting to admit that that's who I was. And it took me such a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I mean for me, I felt like it was such a late period for me to transition. I transitioned at 29. 29? Yeah. So realized I was trans when I was 29. So we went to Brazil. We've been trying to save up to do to do top, top surgery here, but because obviously, as you all know, the the weight on the NHS is something stupid, like seven years now. I've been told. So I wasn't about to wait that long. And because of yeah, my job, crazy. I got to wear a body armor, you know, like, and it just it was getting too much to wait, and it was getting uncomfortable. I was tired of binding. I had to you know mm-hmm. to bind quite a bit. Um, I didn't have such a large chest, but having to put a binder on in the summer it was super hot yeah. in the summer you, you to get me and then a body armor on top of that which weighs another stone that you've got to carry and the whole kit yeah so, and you know yeah. fuck this, i'm going to brazil because it was the cheapest and um i've been searching surgeons and found this surgeon that's done over 400 top surgeries in brazil mm. and you know brazilian people are obsessed with plastic surgery and they are really good at what they do you know yeah yeah <laughs> you know so i thought i'm gonna go there and um saved up a little bit of money the money was really good at the time um and yes we traveled and it was the best decision i've ever made i was still kind of like on the day i kind of thought do i really want to do this you know when you kind of think i'm gonna do this (laughs) yeah you're you're already there now you might as well (laughs) we traveled all the way here i was like "Mm." So I jumped back in now, right at the last minute. Yeah. Like, you're already there, and you decide, yeah, nah, nah <laughs> I'm okay, thanks. No, nah, I'm good. I don't want. I was that. like, give my money back. Give my money back. <laughs> no, I just, I just, I just, I've been back and forth, and I think I need to stop that. You know, I need to stop kind of self-doubting and doubting myself because I've been trying to push that person away for such a long time because mm. I've been trying to be the person I needed to be for my family, or you know. Or, or or who my family thought I needed to be but yeah. yeah it was it was crazy like we got there and it was the next day I needed to I, my surgery was booked for and it was surreal I've never been under before I've never had surgery before so mm. I was super anxious about it and we get there and I have to do all these exams and yeah and then the next all I do all I remember is just waking up and it was done you know it was gone and I think it was when I first looked at myself in the mirror after the surgeon showed it to me, I started crying. You know, I cried mm. in like two whole years after tea, as we know, tea don't let you cry. <laughs> not they don't so. let you cry. Not that so. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Oh, tears falling down my Allergies. I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is. What's going on? But yeah, it was surreal. I still don't believe it. You know, sometimes I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, damn, like, this is me. Like, you know, this yeah. is my chest. Like, this is who I'm looking at. It's it's crazy. And I just, there's all these things that you want to do. I want to get tattoos, you know. I want to work out again. 
I finally can. I'm on, what, eight and a half weeks now post-op. So, yeah, it's mad. And you don't realise, and I think a lot of people don't realise, because a lot of people have gender-affirming surgery. Do they not? You know, yeah. people get a, a breast enhancement. People yeah, get, yeah. you know, their wrinkles sorted or, you know, they get their lips added on or whatever. So mm. even guys these days go off and have surgery. You know, I'm going to put my hairline out. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's all seen cool in the eyes of the society, but people feel better about themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I try to have a quite livid discussion, shall we say, with with my father about it. Yeah. He's super against it. He still doesn't recognise me for who I am. And mm-hmm. I've I've moved past I was some one of the things that I couldn't, and that's why I think I kind of delayed my transition and even delayed getting surgery because of the fact that I wasn't accepted by my my, my dad, I think mainly, and my mom and stuff like that. So mm. my sister's been to Brazil herself. You know, she's got BBL. <laughs> she's got herself sorted. You know, got that done. Got BBL. Sis looks good. You know what I mean? Like she looks real good. <laughs> but I just I try to say like, well, okay, so she can get gender affirming surgery. Why can't I get gender affirming surgery? Yeah. So it's one of them things that we kind of disagreed on. But yeah, I've I've seen her feel a lot better about myself. And look at me, I feel great. Like I feel really good about myself. It's just kind of like yeah. you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, this is what I was meant to look like. Like I love it. So I can't stress enough how important it is for well, it's not for everybody, obviously, surgery, but for yeah. me, for me it works. And I kind of feel like, damn, like this is what I was meant to, to do. So Also, yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't see things like BBLs and other cosmetic surgery as gender affirming surgery they just mm. see it as like something they get because it looks good but that's the whole point like yeah. that is literally mm. <laughs> that's literally why we yeah. get it so we feel good and look good yeah. like yeah. it's that's the same thing um but yeah, yeah i don't know the world is kind of backwards they won't recognize it if it's for mm-hmm. trans people but if it's for cis people it's fine yeah you oh. do it do yeah, everything no. you like mm. yeah. if you saw that hairline oh you better go and get surgery oh you better get my teeth done you know, yeah, oh, you graduate know, right. Turkey and get your teeth done. Like, yeah, mm. that's cool. They, they would do that and they don't understand. It's the same thing. But for yeah. us, it's a little bit deeper. It's a little bit deeper than that, isn't it? It's a little but, bit deeper than wanting to look like Kim yeah. K or something. You know what yeah. I mean? well, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or the next Ken doll or some shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like, so this is another thing. So obviously, because you had your surgery abroad, um like obviously so many different things can happen when you like return Mm. and stuff like that so like during Mm. the period of you like getting surgery did you experience like any complications or anything or has everything been pretty smooth sailing because there's always that fear of you get surgery done abroad Mm. and something happens while when you come back and it's like oh my god I'm so far from you know Mm. where, where I had my surgery like what do I do where do I go yeah, kind of thing. but like what was that yeah, like? I think that, was that was a real big fear of mine I think getting like get getting my surgery don't get me wrong she did it she did it perfectly she, she even like sorted like some of my back fat out she took like some some lipo shit like, I was like yeah you do whatever you want to do <laughs> <laughs> make me look good that's all I care about but um yeah I was really scared about that I was scared that something was going to go wrong you know like yeah. you said I was in a foreign country yeah albeit I was born there but I've been there for like 
six years and mm. I only visit there so it's not like I can just catch a plane and I'll be back there because the tickets are so expensive it, yeah. you know, it costs us like a grand per person no mm. no it costs 1800 per person for us to get there so you know mm. it was one of them things I thought if I go there and like, something goes wrong and I was super worried about it because obviously we all know we all do our research about what kind of can't go wrong doing top surges what kind of can't go wrong doing surges let alone top surges yeah um but yeah I think the only thing for me that that mainly scared me was if something went wrong and I said to myself if it went wrong it better go wrong whilst I'm here you know because I'm not allowed to catch a plane and come back like if it goes wrong then it can go wrong now or you know and we stayed there purposely for four weeks just in case something was about to happen and the the surgery went well there was no issues at all like I had to wear the um drains for, for a week just over or no it's five days most excruciating thing I've ever had in my life just do not recommend getting drained. not that you have a choice because you probably will have to <laughs> <laughs> don't recommend it whatsoever it was the most painful thing of my life but yeah like I post-op like the first initial five days it was terrible you know I was in such an like awful amount of pain luckily they give you a lot of medication out there and you can just mm. top yourself up with them and you can even get it delivered on uber but um yeah it was just it was it was good like nothing went wrong during the surgery but post-op i think i struggled a lot with the binder i had to put on there was a little bit of swelling which she kept in touch with me and i went back and she kept in touch like i think i had to see her at like two or three times two weeks after just to double check mm. um luckily the swelling had gone down because otherwise if there's too much they have to kind of like do like an injection thing when they kind of drain it out because mm. the drains haven't worked properly so oh yeah man I was super worried this is why I came back four weeks after and not because I know some people that will go as far as Brazil or go even further than that yeah. and then come home within a week so if there's one thing I would say is just not to or to give yourself enough time for, for yeah, that procedure yeah, for your body to recover yeah, yeah. Don't, such a traumatic watched. experience yeah no you should give yourself enough time because otherwise if something goes wrong like we had four weeks out there I mean I know not everybody might be able to afford that time but mm. if you can then give yourself enough time to recover because yeah, you know the swelling and the pain and everything I could just go back and just text her and be like hey like I got some pain what do I do and she'd be like, no, that's fine. Because I started worrying that my nipple wasn't, like, my nipple grass wasn't attaching. That was one of the things. You know, you have those horror dreams. You're like, it's going to wake up and they're going to be on the floor. You know, or I'm just going to wake up or they're going to fall off in the bandages. That was one of the things I got scared about. But, and there was a day where it started going black. And I thought, mm, this isn't, this, this doesn't it look happen, good. Like, <laughs> it, it does happen. Yeah. People yeah. lose their nipples. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the nipples are loose. But I just, I thought, I, damn, this is going to fall off. And I started taking pictures. And we, we went, like, to this island for a week because we thought to ourselves, we're going to Brazil, we might as well get, like, a week's holiday out of it. Mm-hmm. So we took a car, and then my partner drove because I couldn't even lift my arms above, like, my shoulders a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we get there, and we were like, oh, my God. We're, like, two, three hours away from the, the surgeon's office, and we just came to this island. Now my nipple graph aren't, aren't properly attacked. What is going to happen? And that was only just like, you know, a car drive away. Can you imagine if I'd flown yeah. home? Yeah. I just thought, shit. But um, yeah, that was one of the things that kind of started going wrong. And I thought to myself, oh my God, 
front and sent her a picture and we were massaging it properly as we should changing the bandages and everything um she goes to me nah don't worry about it. that's what that's what usually happens anyway and I thought is it have you seen the picture though so I just I just sent her like a close-up photo of it like look at it is this what it's meant to look like but no she she like reassured me that it was okay it wasn't because yeah like you said like people have had that where the graphs don't take and you're like shit now I'm stuck but yeah we kept changing it and I was really glad that it kind of is okay now it's still kind of not swollen but I think the nipple graft needs to kind of mellow in and it needs to take properly with the blood supply and everything but yeah that almost went wrong but luckily it didn't I did I did panic I thought my nipple was going to fall off I didn't have to go back with my nip but no it was was fun that's quite an an understandable thing to panic about to be honest yeah Um. can you imagine (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people who get it done abroad, but I can't imagine getting it done abroad somewhere as far as Brazil and then just like going home mm. next week because I'd want to stay until like everything's healed. Like, I'm not, I'm in mm. fact, I'm just going to move out there. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to come back. <laughs> like, I'm going to relocate. Like I'm good here. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I I'm good here. Go I'm good here. Yeah, I'll just stay yeah. on, I'll just cancel my flight back and I'll just like stay outside <laughs> of the surgery office and just like I'm good home. here. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but um, other than that, was there anything else that you found kind of like challenging? Getting it done. What about the surgery? Else? In in general about the surgery. Yeah, I think it was mainly the fact that even though you know in Brazil that's one of the the reasons why I picked it was because I it's my mother tongue I speak Portuguese I know how to talk to people Mm. but it was still difficult having to get medication out to us because obviously my partner doesn't speak a word of Portuguese bless her she has tried as well do you know what she's been on that Duolingo thing it didn't don't know what it is there's something wrong with that app you know (laughs) but um (laughs) she just um yeah so she tried like to it was just the fact that I could barely stand up like that's another thing I think you need to if you are going to go abroad you need to make sure you've got someone with you to mm-hmm. help you out with everything because yeah. I couldn't even stand up off the bed like I couldn't even go to the toilet by myself so if there's someone that you you know trust and that you love that can be there for you that's one of the things that I thought that I wouldn't have been able to go by myself we were even discussing it that Oh, cool. I'll go on my own. I'll sort myself out. There was no chance I could have done that on my own. Like I needed to mm. sleep, sat up for four weeks, and I couldn't sleep on my side. Um, yeah, I think the most that was the most sort of stressful thing for me is that if I hadn't had her there, it would have been difficult. And the fact that we had to order food in because I couldn't even walk for long distances. Like she told me to do short walks and stuff, but I don't think that I would have been able to do that by myself and having to walk along with the drains and little baggies yeah not that people were rude or nothing but you would get some stairs and they'd be like why is that like hanging out of this side <laughs> thing you know like, yeah. people looking at you like yeah but yeah like if luckily where we were because we stayed in like kind of a hotel slash airbnb type thing we could just get deliveries up to the room and they were really lovely but i didn't want to leave the room and can you imagine if you were by yourself and you didn't have somebody there to go downstairs and get that delivery for you or, you know, get you some ice or something that you needed? Mm. I think that was the most challenging part. 
but if if and I know that not everybody are able to have that someone there with them but definitely at least have a friend that you trust that will look after you because those initial five days are the hardest bit and being abroad as well like lucky for me I spoke Portuguese but mind you my Portuguese isn't that great because I've been here for 23 years and some parts I don't even know what I'm saying but you know (laughs) I don't know (laughs) you know it was it was luckily as well like my surgeon she spoke English too and that's another thing like yeah when my partner was waiting that's important they got to speak English because what are you asking for it might not be what they give you I kept having these nightmares of waking up with like some double d's on my (laughs) you know they're gonna give me some top boob job shit that's all I asked for um but yeah you gotta make sure they speak English because she came out and told my partner like he's good like you know he's it went well he's okay and you know gave us like the medication that we needed and spoke to us and spoke to me and her and said what I needed to do but not that that part was I think the main part that was challenging was the the initial recovery period and if I hadn't spoken the language I don't even know what I would have been able to do to even get a taxi or to even order food and stuff like that yeah but yeah you got to do your research before you make that decision to go away you know yeah okay that makes a lot of sense um so in terms of like just your transition in general is there anything that you feel that you would have done differently or would have wanted to do differently Mm. I don't know you know I think maybe perhaps I should have not not that I'm saying that I transitioned at the age that I did was a wrong decision I'm just glad it's done and I did it when I did it yeah but maybe I should have a long time ago stopped trying to please other people that's what I'd give the advice to myself if I went back in time like I'd, I'd give the young person that I was in my early 20s or even my like 18 19 years old I'd, I'd be like what are you doing like why are you trying to please people you know mm. like who are you even doing this for because mm. I lived a lot of my life <laughs> do you know what I mean like I lived a lot of my life trying to be someone for someone else like trying to appear to be that person for somebody else and mm. if I could go back now I'd slap myself in the face and, and just say like what are you doing like who are you doing this for for real because that's that's not at the end of the day you only live once and you're yeah. going to live your life who you are and the way you want to live because you ain't going to come back around and do it again and I lived a lot of my life trying to please people trying to be someone for someone else you know for example like my family albeit they still some of them do some of them do accept me others don't and I try to be that person for them because I thought that that's what was best for me to try and please my family my my dad you know things like that so that's one of the things I regret is just trying to be someone else for someone else when at the end of the day you've got to be you and I've not some days that I, I still struggle with that and I still kind of think oh, maybe I should do this because that's what my mum and dad would have wanted. Or maybe I should, for example, like I've, I've had to cut off speaking in contact with my dad. I don't speak to him at all anymore. But I used to speak to him and still allow him to address me as his daughter, inverted comments mm-hmm. or whatever, because he still calls me that. I blocked him. Like the other day, I just, I was like, you know, I don't need this. Like, I'm just going to block that because I already told you who I am. I already come out to you. And I don't even have to give you the time of the day and if this is how you're going to treat me still then I'll see you later 
you know, and I think that's an important thing that people need to, or I needed to, because it might not be the same for everyone, that I needed to understand. And that's the only thing I regret. It's just not not cutting off, not saving myself. That's kind yeah. of what I'd say. You know what I mean? Well, well. <laughs> I felt that. Like, felt that. Like, it's just got me in my mind. I'm like, damn, I felt that. Okay. That's, 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 a good, that's a good message to your yourself but i know a lot of people are probably mm. going to be able to relate to that myself included yeah. so it's like yeah I mm. yeah i definitely yeah. related to like wanting to punch myself in the face because like god mm. that's annoying like what are you doing <laughs> i'm still annoying now but like now i'm just doing what i want to do shut up because don't yeah. make face I didn't say um, anything. <laughs> you made the face you made a face i saw it <laughs> and i felt it you um, made the face. <laughs> um but yeah um thank you for coming on is there anything you want um, yeah. want to plug or tell people about anything that you're doing like your social media or yeah, it could be anything like where they can find you just anything it could even be your surgeon if you want to plug your surgeon yeah yeah so my surgeon is dr daniela cornelio or cornelio she's on um instagram as you know what let me search it real quick because i think i sent it to paris but yeah it's called mastectomia masculinizadora and i won't repeat that but we can add it on <laughs> yeah it can we'll add it we'll add it, we can add it we'll on. type it out don't we'll type it out we'll type it out we'll, <laughs> we'll add it on and um my yeah my insta is blake but not lively because i'm not the pretty blonde one so if anyone wants to add that so yeah it's i recommend her you know and i even recommended it because um she's i think personally the best surgeon that's that's i found it took me a little while but definitely recommend her she's happy to receive anyone from abroad she's had patients from italy from the uk from all over the place and you know if us guys are looking to go from the uk to brazil the money goes a long way so it didn't cost me that much do you know what i mean it cost i mean i think the surgery was like just over two two and a half and then you're thinking that you know plane tickets and all that which if you go at the right time during the day at the year even it won't cost that much so yeah. definitely and also i mean if you factor in the cost of top surgery in the uk anyway it's probably yeah, yeah probably. probably still going to be cheaper so yeah. everyone just go to brazil actually don't because you know we want to go to brazil but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah so that concludes everything from us today thank you for listening everybody and yes yes you know the drill we forgot about the hashtag in the beginning but if you have been listening for as long as we have been recording you should know what to do when you start listening to the episode. Yeah, so. you'd know by now that we just don't ever remember it. So yeah. we'll always tell you at the end. And we'll always tell you to go back to the start and listen again. So yeah. that you can... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we hope that everybody cool. enjoyed um, listening to us talk to Blake. And we shall see you next week. See you next week. Later. See ya.